Welcome back, spiritual homies. Welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Her podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Tasha Skillen, and you are going to love this episode. The reason why I'm bringing this episode to you today is because a lot of us, myself included, feel like we get stuck when we try to create new habits, right? So lift that energetic hand in the air if you can relate to trying to create new habits and new routines because you've got these goals and you want to step into her and you want to really become that version of yourself, but it's hard, right? New routines, new habits. It's easy to be gung-ho for a little bit and then we fall off or, you know, it just doesn't work. We get disempowered. And I mean, I can definitely relate to this. So I know that there are people out there that can relate as well. So today, Tasha is saving the day, coming to us, talking all about the science and also the energy of creating new habits. She breaks down her pillars for creating new habits. Why often when we try to create these new things in our life, why they often don't stick. And most importantly, my loves, why it's not your fault. You are going to love the way she teaches us how to create new patterns and habits and routines and practices from a place of love and also from a way that just works. So get ready to step into your highest self with your goals and all the new routines and habits you want to do by following Tasha's guidance. You're going to want to follow her. So check out the show notes for all of her links, jump in her community or see her on Facebook. If you really want to step into new habits and routines and end the cycle of sabotage, of disempowerment, of feeling bad when you try to create something good. So you're going to love this episode. I'm so excited to bring it to you. As I was listening to Tasha speaking, I felt like a student. I was taking notes and I was all bug-eyed, like, tell me more. It's just so interesting. So without further ado, let's welcome Tasha Skillen onto the show. Hey Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello. Welcome, Tasha. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm so excited to be talking to you and I'm so excited about how much connection we already have. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be so fun. You guys are in for a treat. This is going to be amazing. We're going to talk a lot today about creating new habits and especially with the new year, stepping into that version of ourself and, you know, really what it takes to make change. And I know there's going to be so much more. So Tasha, could you start by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you are in the world and kind of a bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. So um, like Talia said, my name is Tasha Skellen. I'm a life coach for recovering perfectionists and people pleasers and those of us who identify as productivity junkies, loving how to get more done, be more efficient. And um, I live in Richmond, Virginia in the States on the East Coast with my uh, soulmate husband and our two kids. My son's 14 and my daughter's just turned 11. And 
We've been hunkering down over the last year um, and really have benefited from so much togetherness. Um, and although the, the house does seem to get smaller um, as the as the quarantine continues, we've learned so much more about each other that has made it so much easier for us to connect. So I'm so grateful for the opportunities to be so close to my my, lo- my little loves and share the journey of what it is that I'm doing with them in real time rather than telling them about it after school sometimes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I've been doing the, didn't, been doing some version of coaching for about 17 years. Um, my first career of coaching was um, sexual health and wellness for women. And I did that for 13 years. And then on the other side of that, I was also coaching women in the same business. So I wasn't a direct sales company, but really what I found that I loved about that was the coaching conversations, was the conversations about helping women overcome these limiting beliefs financially, you know, business-wise, but also in their relationships and their intimacy. And it just opened me up wide open to connect with women and give them a safe space. Women have always told me it was easy to tell me all the things. And so it was a natural place for me to show up. And what I can now see that I couldn't see then is that I was using that experience to not only create the space for them to be held, but also to avoid my own vulnerability um, by asking, being the one that asks questions and by being the one that is holding space, you get to avoid sharing your own story, mm-hmm. sharing the things that are scary for you because you get to be the hero of someone's finally listening to them, right? I'll and be so, the facilitator to your journey, yes. <laughs> not to mine. Right. I was master at that. I knew how to wow. help help everybody take care of their stuff. <laughs> and, you know, in all honesty, I was very good at it because I did study people and I was curious and I genuinely cared, but it would have been a more satisfying relationship both ways and a lot of the friendships I had then and could have probably had more um, benefit, beneficial uh, friendships had I been willing to share those pieces and honestly to, to really identify what those pieces were for myself. But instead I was so focused on producing and working hard and driving hard and making sure that everyone knew how, how much I was, how valuable I was because I wanted to save the day and I wanted to make sure everybody had what they need. And I was always the one to show up in, in any kind of situation where someone needed help that I really drove myself into the ground. I um, started getting Sick in around 2014, 2015, started having like flu-like symptoms, but no, no flu. And every time I went to the doctors to get blood work done, because it was lasting longer than an average virus would last, they said, you're healthy as a horse. We don't know what's wrong. I don't know why you, you probably just need to get some rest and decrease your stress. Now, telling someone who is a work addict at that time, decrease my stress, get on with yourself. I don't have time for that. Um, and it was the course of, over about two and a half years, my stress response started to really eat away at my my systems, and I ended up bedbound and lost both of my businesses. Uh, my husband was completely caretaker, complete taker, caretaker for myself and our kids, and I was in excruciating pain um, while also having a complete identity crisis because having spent the majority of my adult life working to prove my worth without having work, I didn't know that I had any other value. I didn't feel like I could be the stay-at-home mom. I didn't feel like that was my purpose. And I didn't think I'd be good at it because I loved working so much. I certainly was not going to be any kind of 
wife that just loved being a wife. I wanted to have my own identity, but I thought my identity was the work that I was doing. And so to have none of those things be something I could do and now to be completely dependent on my husband for even getting food, it was quite the slap in the face for that ego-focused part of myself that was driving really hard in what I now know was that masculine sun energy of drive and force and, and crushing things and blasting through things and that, that kind of terminology that we use for goals and that hustle culture. Um, and so I spent you know two years in bed with nothing to do but to lie in bed and think about myself, think about what I was doing and think about what my options were. And in that I realized looking back that I had been living somebody else's life. I had been living a life that was to please other people, to what I thought would make other people happy, to make sure everyone liked me, to make sure that I was acceptable and palatable and not causing any, you know, ruffles and feathers and those things. And I realized that none of that was me. That was me trying to fit into somebody else's box. And so I spent um, the next year and a half doing a bunch of spiritual work, journaling and learning how to meditate and challenging the beliefs and going to swing on the other side of the pendulum of what I had been doing, really rebelling against this persona that I had created for myself and came out the other side healing physically, deciding I was not going to accept the prognosis of never being um, able to walk again. And I uh, fought my way back for, for my health and then became the mom that I've always wanted to be and became the partner that I've always wanted to be. And now I have an incredible community of friends and clients because I was able to discover the truest version of myself underneath all of, the, all of those layers. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's it's really crazy as you're speaking, what I'm really present to is how, especially with women, but this, I'm sure this happens the same with men. It's just that I'm a woman, so that's what I know. It's crazy how our identity really gets wrapped up in a lot of other things, whether it's, it is being a stay-at-home mom and that's you know, everything you pour your everything into, or it's a businesswoman, or it's whatever it is that, you know, our identities that we build. And there's a lot of clients and myself, of course, where you get to a point and it's like, well, who am I? You know, if the kids grow up or they're off to school and you're going, now who am I? Or for you, you couldn't work anymore. Well, now who am I? You couldn't, you know, be rushing to everyone's aid. And it's crazy how we our identities wrapped up in all these external things. We have some sort of breaking moment where we feel kind of almost empty and like lost. And then we start finding ourselves, and that's when that deep work comes in and then our life changes. It feels like that happens to all of us on some level or another. And it's messy. And that's the yeah. thing that <laughs> that's so messy. <laughs> you can't plan for. I didn't realize how much grief was in that process and how much letting go of different aspects of my own identity, but also relationships that I'd have to let go of mm -hmm. and then learn how to grieve as a result of. Um, but I agree with you. I think, I think most of us, because of the way we're conditioned, you know, from family and different communities and different institutions, we're conditioned to put our identity outside of ourselves where our identity is in a role in according to someone else's life and our relationship with someone else as opposed to being our own individual interdependent self where we're still connected to other humans, but our value is derived from our internal knowing and our internal wisdom and our passions and our and our joy, not necessarily how we serve other people, which is not something that we're told how to do. And yet we're told often to do that while on the other, the next very next comment is, but don't be selfish, right? The next mm -hmm. comment is, you know, you can't talk too loud. Don't be too much. All of these mixed messages. So we're just 
confused for the majority of our teens and our 20s and sometimes even all of our 30s and 40s on how do we actually show up because we get such mixed feedback. Yeah. And from the time we're young, like what we're actually told to do, like you're saying, is so mixed. It's like, be a mom, but have a career, but don't have too much of a career. You know, take some alone time, but you can't leave the kids. And, you know, it's this constant. And and there's so many other examples of how that is the case. It is very confusing. And, and in the end, we come out, a lot of us, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 or whatever, 35 and 45, go, and we have this moment of, what are we doing? Like, who am I? Who am I truly? And that's the question that we've never been told to ask. Because like you said, mm-hmm. we're told to do all these things. So we're taught essentially to obey. We learn this in school. Like mm-hmm. you, you need to ask to go to the bathroom. You need to ask to do all these things. When, if we were taught, and this is what we're working on with our kids, to get curious about what you need. Mm-hmm. And and I know you do a lot of this with the work that you do with your clients, the alignment of what do you want to do? What do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Mm-hmm. And then choosing based on that, choosing your day-to-day life. And that's where the practices piece comes in for me, where I get super nerdy about the habits piece. Mm-hmm. Because if you can habitualize the, the practices that you know will lead you to become the person that you were meant to be, which is really undoing the pieces that you have been that were not truly you to replace them with the new practices that will help you become the the person you were born to be, then that's a skill that you can transfer to any aspect of your life. And you can use it during any transformation or any transition from one version of yourself to another. So it's such a crucial piece. And it was such a liberating um, discovery for me to learn how habit forming really works in the day-to-day life practical sense. Yeah. So, okay. I would like you to describe how habit forming works, but first, what if, so we have, I can feel it. There's people here that are going through exactly what we're talking about, where they thought they knew who they were, but they've had, whether it's through COVID or other things in life, they've had, you know, reality shaking experiences that now they're left feeling a little bit empty, a little bit excited because they know they can change themselves, but they don't, or not change themselves, but, you know, grow into who they truly are, but they don't know how. And they're kind of in this spot of like, I don't even know how to set intentions or to, you know, what I want to be like, where do, where do we go from there? That sort of lost, empty, slightly hopeful, but mostly empty. (laughs) Mostly scared, mostly not sure. Yeah. Unsure, overwhelmed. Yeah. I think the first practice that I, I did, and I definitely recommend this to any of our, our community members, my friends, my family, when you start asking that, when you identify that you can ask yourself that, that maybe that you haven't even asked yourself, what do I want? Who am I? That's usually the first question like, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. And so the first practice is putting it somewhere in your day to ask yourself that without any expectation of having some kind of mind blowing experience. It's just the intention of being curious just being curious about what is it that I actually want. And then recognizing when an answer comes to you and saying, okay, is that what I want or is that what someone else wants? Why do I want that? Do I want that because I think that's going to make me more valuable in my husband's eyes? Do I want that because I think that's going to look make me look more important to the, the business you know, community that I'm trying to impress? Or is that something I want because it lights my soul on fire and I can't not think about ending my life and not having tried that or done more of that or looked into that. 
And that takes practice because it's not an easy answer for a lot of us initially because we, we're not used to answering that question. Yeah. So when when you're saying starting asking yourself, what do I actually want? And are you talking about is now is it anything and everything? Like if someone was sitting with their journal or sitting in a quiet moment and they could just allow this to come out, is it like everything and anything that comes up in that point, like dream home and also peace of mind, confidence? Like, are we talking tangible, not tangible, whatever comes up? Great question. I love this. I love that this can be whatever it needs to be for where you are in your life. So I love a good brain dump. So I ask myself this question and I kind of settle into my, my, my calm estate, do some breath work, and then ask myself this question, what do I want? What do I need? Those are the two questions I start most of my days with. What do I want? What do I need? And then I just let flow out of me. I need, and sometimes it's, I need less of something or I don't want this, which helps then clarify what you could want in place of that. And sometimes it is easier to start with what you don't want. So, you know, there's a lot of, I think in the spiritual community, oftentimes we're told and taught to not speak in negatives. And I think there's a lot of value in that when we're talking about manifestation, but it's also okay and necessary to identify what you don't want. And I think that's a missing piece for a lot of this uh, kind of watered down spirituality kind of alignment talk. So asking yourself those things. But if you are specifically feeling struggle or pain or fear or sadness in an area of your life. So maybe you're having a hard time with your relationship with your body, or you are feeling like you're just not connected with your partner, or you're feeling some friction with your adult parents. Asking yourself in that specific category of your life is a great place to start because asking without any category can be pretty overwhelming if you are at a place where you're awakening in this kind of truth of your authenticity is across the board, that's a long time to journal <laughs> to, to talk about all the things you do want, all the things you don't want. So sometimes it is easier for someone to have a category to focus on. And usually the categories I talk about are your relationships, so your friendships, your partnership, and your parent-child relationships, as well as your money, your health, your creativity, and your spirituality. So any of those areas could be a, a starting point to ask that question without the pressure or the expectation of having a very well, now I know this, now I need to drive forward making it happen, which is the thing that I used to do. Like, oh, I have an answer. Now I need to do something with it immediately. Just sitting with that curiosity. Why do I want this? What about this is appealing? What about this is, is not appealing? You know, the do's and the don'ts of, of what you want, what you what you need. And just letting that be for a little while, for that day, for that week, and then revisit again. And the practice of asking yourself this, you're going to lift up a little bit more and more when it comes to the layers of of what you actually are missing, what you have been missing for a while and the things that you crave more of in your life. And then you can start moving the pieces, you know, releasing things, purging things, you know, creating the void so you can put new things in place. But that first step is asking yourself and creating the practice of asking yourself what do I want and what do I need? I was just, I love when you're like, as you're talking, I'm just really like seeing the levels of, yeah, what do I want? There's so many clients. I ask them that in the first, in the beginning and they have, sometimes it takes a like a few sessions to really get to what they want. And I was just thinking about how, especially at the new year, what do I want? Someone might say to lose 20 pounds. And I want to say, is that what you really want? Mm-hmm as you're saying, why, right? Why do I want this? Is it because 20 pounds sounds great? Or is it because <laughs> there was a story I heard a long time ago, it was probably just like a fable or a tale, but it was like, 
you know, someone was praying to lose 20 pounds and they just wanted to lose 20 pounds, 20 pounds, and then they were in an accident and lost their leg. And it's like, there's your 20 pounds, right? So it's kind of like, is that actually what you want? And whether it's money, you know, um, a soulmate, whatever, is that actually what you want? And you may find underneath that, especially with something like $5,000 or, you know, 20 pounds that you want what you think that that's going to give you. So the layers that that's going to uncover, because at first you might be like, yeah, that is what I want. 20 pounds, easy. But when you're a seeker, like we are and a thinker and, you know, is that really what I want? Well, no, actually I want ease in my body. I want, you know, energy. I want to be able to run around next to my kids or feel confident in a bathing suit or, you know, talk positively to myself and like, okay, now we're getting to the real meat of what you truly want. You know, I love that. I love starting in that place and continuing to ask questions about it. And what you're talking about is, um, one of the key factors, I know we both have a real affinity for vision boards and the process of creating vision boards and, and, and that, that, that event that can really spiral into a major whirlwind of, of manifestation for yourself and your authenticity. One of the reasons that vision boards are so important and can be so effective, your motivation is not a house. Yes, you may want a bigger house, but you don't want a bigger house just so you can hear your echo in, in the big rooms. You want a house, maybe you want a bigger house because you want to have experiences. So that experience is what you want. So when you put a house on your vision board, the house is helpful for you to visualize what you're going to be doing in that house, what experiences you're going to be having at that kitchen table. Maybe you're going to be reading to your son or your daughter in, your, in their bed at night, and they're going to have this room that really elevates their experience. Maybe you're going to have, you know, your own writing nook where you're going to write that book. Like that's what motivates us. Our motivations are, and I know you know this, this is, our motivations are not tangible. We are all craving meaning and we're all craving purpose and impact. And so when we get clear about what is underneath of what do I want? Like you said, it's not usually the number that motivates us. The number just helps us to take action. Is this going to get me closer to that thing? And the lack of motivation, the lack of clarity of motivation is the number one reason habits and practices don't actually happen the way we intend to. So many of us have started a morning routine, a meditation routine, a health routine. I mean, this is, we've been sold these concepts for decades as women, especially, right? The reason they don't work is because we're sold that you want to lose 20 pounds because it's better to look 20 pounds lighter than you look right now. That's the idea that we're sold constantly. But the reality is, like you said, maybe 20, losing 20 pounds would help you have more energy. Maybe it would help you be able to be more intimate with your partner. Maybe it would help you to um, connect with friends because you can go hiking. So it's that internal motivation. The problem with this, and this is where I really nerd out, is that we believe that our lack of following through with those things in the past is based on our lack of willpower or discipline. And we've been told that's why we're not doing things. And so in as a result, as you have more of those experiences through your life where you set out to do something, right? You promised yourself that you were going to do this one, one, one activity. You promised yourself you're going to get up earlier in the morning and you're going to journal. We're going to do something really easy. You promised yourself in the morning, you're going to get up and early and journal. And when you don't keep doing that forever and ever and ever, we then decide that we are somehow a failure and that we have done it wrong and that we're bad at journaling and we're bad at, at self-authenticity. And 
all these judgments and these labels when the motivation is there, that's usually not the problem. If you decided to get up and journal because you should, because someone told you it's beneficial, there's some room to look at your motivation for sure. What do you want to get out of it? What is the intention? But the reality of not doing it hardly ever has to do with lack of motivation. It actually is incorporating three different factors that need to come come together for habit formation. So before I start geeking out even more, I want to give you an opportunity to talk because I could talk for hours about this. No, I want to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I absolutely love this. So many people can relate and I just, yeah, I want to hear more. <laughs> okay. So the, the math, it's super easy, like math equation, behavior. So a habit, you know, before something is a habit, it's a behavior. So a behavior repeated is a habit. So a human behavior comes from motivation, like true authentic motivation, where there's an emotional component the ability factor. So are you able to do the thing financially, time-wise, energetically? Those are the three factors. So are you able to do the thing? And we're going to circle back around to that one in a second, because that's a really important thing to know those questions. And the third factor is actually having a prompt. It's just having a reminder that's actually going to work for you specifically in the specific habit that you're trying to develop in a realistic way. And so those three pieces, when one of those pieces is off, the habit is not formed. But we're giving all of our lack of completion or following through or consistency about a habit, putting all that blame on ourselves because we're women and this is what we've been taught to do and not getting curious about what could have made it easier or what made it impossible to complete the habit the way we saw it happening from the very beginning. Oh my goodness. I want to like take that whole clip and then repeat it back. (laughs) That is, I love that. And I would love to also hear like, let's go through maybe a concrete example of, okay, I'm going to get healthier and um, it is going to involve some weight loss or some, you know, healthier eating and all of that. And how we actually, those three components come in. And before you do that, I just want to say that thank you for saying that we blame ourselves. And that is something I've talked about a few times. I I think I'll do a whole episode on it, but I don't really believe in motivation the way that we see. It feels like a very short-term thing. And then the second anything goes awry, it's like, I don't have any motivation. I need more motivation. I I like to replace it with inspiration because to me, you're in spirit, you're inspired. That is what will keep you going in, in that area. Um, versus motivation. But I just appreciate you saying that because I see that all the time. And I can even see that in myself, especially in the past, but still definitely threads of that, of it's me. I'm the one not following through. It's not because I don't have the proper structure set up. It's just me and I'm weak and it taps into shame and guilt and fear. Yes. And and it, and it's all it's all my fault that this didn't pan out. And I hear that a lot from clients and I can see that in myself. So thank you. It's I feel like you just gave us permission to take that off of our plate and know that there is a way to set yourself up properly and powerfully. And it's not all your fault when those components aren't in place. It's not you failing. It's just, we need a new way to do it. (laughs) And it was, I'm so glad you felt that because that's exactly what I felt when I discovered this as well. I mean, I felt this huge relief for myself and then also in my parenting because I was able to, so I'm going to give you two examples of this habit situation, one from my perspective, from my personal experience, and also one from parenting. Because if you have parents who are listening to this, This is such a huge game changer for 
having connected relationships with your kids because when you are when you can share this information the the tone of conversations on correcting behavior and redirecting behavior even from the littlest littlest ones to teenagers who are about to launch into their own world is so different and it has transformed how our family operates it's incredible so i want to i'm looking forward to sharing that part with you but i'll start with the first one the first person cuz it's a little bit easier so a common habit that a lot of my clients want to start and i'm sure you have this as well because all of us are on this journey to uncover our truest self and our authentic um, expression of self. And like we talked about earlier, journaling can be a great opportunity to process that and really dig into that. Creating a journaling habit can be challenging because oftentimes we need quiet and we need it to be uninterrupted in order for us to really be at at peace with ourselves and and not be distracted and and self-conscious and all these things. So sometimes getting up early before the rest of the household is the first place to start when it comes to journaling. In order to do that, there is more, it's not just get up early and journal. We simplify things that it's just, just get up earlier and journal, and then you'll, you'll just be on your way. But in reality, there's four to five, if not more decisions that have to be made in that process. So you have to decide to get up earlier, which means you have to decide to go to bed a little bit earlier, which means you also have to shift your evening routines just a little bit, set expectations for people around you, and also make it easy for yourself in the morning to go do the journaling. So if you are in bed with somebody, you can't just flip on the light next to them when, if you're getting up early and they're still in bed. So there's all these little micro decisions that we don't account for that is where the ability factor comes in. So if you want to start a journaling habit, you want to ask yourself, what do I need to make this successful? When is the best time of day for me to do it? When do I have the best energy for it? When is there time to do it that I'm not going to be interrupted? And what are the boundaries I need to put in place for my family so I can do this? And then what is the reminder for myself that this is something that I'm committed to doing because this is something that's important to me? So you wake up the first morning, awesome. I'm going to go journal. You grab your journal. It's or Maybe you thought about it the night before. You put it on the nightstand or you put it in the, the living room where you're going to sit quietly by yourself with your cup of tea. And you get out there and you realize that you're cold. You don't have socks. You left them in the room where where your partner's sleeping and now you don't want to go back in there, right? So now you're distracted. Now you're cold and you don't want to make noise by by turning the tea the tea kettle on. So now you don't have your tea. So now you're distracted by all these irritations that are minimal, but they're not going to allow you to be comfortable in in the in the place of authenticity to do do the journaling. Now it seems silly, right? Like just journal, just be a, get over it and don't be cold. You know, don't think about being cold and, and forget about having tea, just drink your water and all these pieces. But these are the things that make it easy for us to lean into doing something that it's hard. And this is why we have to get curious about what it is that's happening in the process. So instead of that morning blaming yourself because you didn't do it right, now it's where you shift the, I didn't do it right to curiosity. Okay, what would have made this easier? How do I make this easier tomorrow? I need to set out my socks the night before. I need to make sure that the kids' bedrooms doors are closed or that I have a different way to heat up the water for my tea. Whatever these little pieces are. Or maybe you didn't wake up the first morning. Maybe you didn't wake up and say, oh, well, I failed. I can't do this anymore. Well, did you not wake up because your alarm wasn't set? Or did you not wake up because you didn't go to bed early enough last night? Or because the baby was up in the middle of the night and mom life, there is no consistency every single day, except for the fact that the baby's going to hijack your life, right? Like these are real life factors that we have to get curious about as opposed to judgmenting, judging ourselves. And that will allow us to move forward. So that's an example of journal 
health one could be the same thing. You're getting up, you want to get up early to exercise. You want to get up early and do yoga. You want to get up early and do a run. There are literally eight decisions, if not more, in that process. Getting your shoes, making sure your clothes are set out, making sure you have the time, making sure you have the proper outerwear in, in the colder seasons, or if it's raining, what is your plan B? There's so many micro decisions that we don't account for that we end up blaming our self-discipline and our willpower on. So those are some examples um, of ways to start thinking about and getting curious about habits that are working or not working for your your own specific habits. Did you have any questions or want to interject anything there? That sounds like everybody's real life. That is so, and I love, it's like laughable, but it's exactly what goes on in our head. Um, I'm saying our head because I know how true this is, but just get up and journal. Come on, what's wrong with you? How many times have everybody listening and you, how many times have you said, just exercise, just eat more plants, just drink more water, just, right? How many times do we hear this, but we but but we're not doing it. And again, right away, it's just our fault. But when you spell it out like that and exactly that, how many times have I got up early and then be like, oh crap, there's something in the room. But if I even go upstairs, my kids are going to smell me. There's three of them. They start coming out of the rooms. You know, it's 4 a.m. I thought, and I actually did that for a while last year, getting up early. And I noticed every single time the kids got up early and it got to the point where I was like, maybe just a little earlier. It was like 4 a.m. And they're still... They hear the clink of the kettle exactly like you're saying. Um, And then it gets to just, you kind of get tired of it not working. So you just kind of, you know, it's easy to throw in the towel and then, but throw in the towel on the whole thing. It's not about switching maybe now, okay, morning doesn't work. Let's switch up the time we're journaling. Instead of that, like you're saying, adjusting, massaging the factors, we just kind of throw it in. And then in our mind, it's that other thing, another thing that we failed at, another thing we didn't do. Yep. Another tally mark in the I couldn't do it category. And when we do that with, so that's, you know, just even if we tallied up all the times we did that with our health practices, drinking more water, eating more vegetables, stretching our body. I mean, all, I mean, women, especially hundreds of examples of I'm going to do better health-wise but then you layer on the stuff you want to do better as a partner, the things you want to do better as a parent, the things you want to do better as a daughter, as a friend. Like, my goodness, it's no wonder all of us are oftentimes kind of huddled in the corner rocking in our emotional you know, experience because we have all of these, unfortunately, completely inaccurate, but very real experiences of failing and not doing it well and not doing it right. And it adds up. And what it ends up doing, as you know, and I know, it completely hijacks are fulfilling our purpose and doing the things that we're put here to do because we have these layers and layers of self-doubt piled up based on something that isn't even true. And so it's a huge factor in understanding how powerful we are when we realize that we are not not powerful before. We just didn't have all the information. It's like asking a turtle to climb a tree. Like no matter how much you motivate them, they can't climb the tree. They don't have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about it, we don't didn't have the ability to do it that one day because we didn't know the things that we now know. So now I know, grab my socks, put my socks out before I go to bed at night. And now I know that I'm not going to have tea or I'm going to need to put it in a warmer, you know, a thermos the night before or whatever the case may be. Now I know the next day it's going to be easier. There may be some other factors that I didn't take into consideration, but then I'll fine tune with those. And so it's a practice because you keep showing up and getting curious as opposed to a final destination of perfection. 
That's so good. It's like, I'm just hearing like, give yourself the patience and the grace to establish a new habit. What is with this? Tomorrow I'm going to do it. Didn't work because of any of those things you mentioned, the everyday life things. And now we just don't do it. It's, it's, all or nothing thinking has really mm-hmm. been coming back into my experience lately. And I've been um, mapping out an episode I'm going to do about it because it just seems so prevalent. And that's another example of like all in or nothing. And we just, when you're saying that, it's like, I want to say like, give yourself the grace to create something new. Like, would you expect to learn a new language overnight or, you know, anything else? It's, it's like, give yourself that patience to learn something new. It's like, we think we should just know how to do this. How, like you said, just journal. How hard is it to just drink more water? But you're establishing a new habit in that. It's not just drinking new water. It's retraining yourself. So I have a question about what about when it's not something as concrete as getting up early to journal? What if it's a bigger goal of all over like 2021, I'm going to get healthier. So it could involve getting up early, but it's also a, a sort of everyday interwoven into your day type goal, not just 6am type goal. Great question. And I think that's one of the most important questions to ask when you're looking at any kind of future pacing, any kind of vision forward. What for you is going to give you the result of being healthier? So underlying, you know, being healthier, what does that mean for you? What is it going to allow you to do? What is the healthiest version of you able to do that you can't do now easily? I think that's one of the important questions to ask when you're talking about a kind of a broad spectrum goal or intention or dream. And then who do you need to become to have that experience? What kind of person has that experience? Well, that kind of person drinks water throughout the day. That kind of person feeds their, fuels their cells with plants more often than not. That kind of person doesn't restrict their diet from having sugar necessarily, but they are conscious about how it feels and making sure they're intuitively listening to how their body's responding to whatever they're putting in their body. So uh, the other thing is they're they're moving their body. They're engaging in their movement um, because that person knows that when they move their body, it moves energy through and it it strengthens muscles and it, it makes it easier with any with chronic illness and the chronic pain to have less of it. So getting really specific about what specifically for you are the micro habits underneath the big goal. And then just starting with one and the tiniest step with one. So if, if part of you being healthier at the end of you know a year means that you have acquired four new, six new, seven new habits, what's the first one? What's the easiest one you could possibly do? And it's not drinking four glasses of water a day if you're not drinking water now. It's filling a glass of water and putting it next to you. That's the tiniest step that you can take the tiniest steps. Drinking water, it's like you said, it seems like it should just be easy. Just drink more water. But you have to have a container that you like drinking water out of, which is actually really, really particular for each one of us. You need to have water that you like the temperature of and how is it going to make it easy for you to do that. You have to make it accessible for yourself and you have to prepare yourself to not be in uh, overwhelm mode so that you can make it easy. So there's just to drink more water. We have at least four steps to consider. And so taking that into consideration that drinking more water may take a month to develop that habit because through the month of January or February, you are getting curious about what about the water drinking feels challenging right now, rather than saying, oh, I should just drink water. It doesn't matter if it doesn't taste good. It doesn't matter if it's cold. It doesn't matter. You know, 
it does matter because you're not doing it. So it, it's that is worthy of just asking more questions. And so it's it's breaking those down into small habits and starting with one. It's really hard because we all want to have the results right away, but it is statistically proven that if you do something in tiny steps and then layer the habits over one another, you're going to have much more success and you're going to see the results that you want in the same amount of time if you try to rush all of them and then stopped all of them and then rushed all of them again and stopped all of them. You'll actually have the layers of habits built if you allow that to happen and trust yourself that you're going to remain curious and that you're committed to this healthy version of yourself. I love that. I talk a lot about incremental upgrades and that's the way I see life is there are there are some times where we make quantum leaps and we make a lot of change in one, you know, in one time we have a rock bottom moment or whatever, but most of the time it's these little steps, like you said, making it so easy. And I, I just thought of like low hanging fruit, right? Like what is the easiest thing I could do in my life? And I love how you're saying, just bringing everybody present to the fact that there are so many details. And it also makes me think, why don't we pick fewer goals that are more meaningful? Because if there's 17 things to think of with just simply trying to drink more water and you're, like you said, you're trying to be a better parent and you're trying to do more yoga and you're trying to be more mindful and you're trying to get outside more and you're trying to see friends more and you're trying to, it's like, it's good to have all those things. And those are all part of your dream life. So we can move toward, you know, saying yes to good friends and creating community. But if you're really trying to establish a habit, it's like pick something and start there. Like you're saying, pick one thing, pick, you know, simpler, pick easier um, and start there instead of trying to do everything because I just am so present to how overwhelmed we get when we're trying to do all the things, you know, January 2nd, basically. (laughs) Yes. And then by January 10th, we're burnt out because we're so busy making new decisions all day long. Our brains and our bodies are built to work on habits. Mm. We're not built to make new decisions all day, every day, which is why so many of us have been struggling and so exhausted from the pandemic because all of our habits are out of whack because of everybody's schedules being different. So we have no anchors in our day anymore. One of the things we've realized early on in the pandemic is my kids were not getting nearly as often the hugs and the, and the snuggles that they were getting when they were going to school because there was no send-off and there was no welcoming home. We were just home together all the time. And my son, who is such a love muffin, even at 14, he's like, I'm not getting enough hugs from you, mama. And I said, oh, well, we're going to incorporate that into our morning routine and our evening routine because it was part of something that shifted. And so the more often, especially right now, as we're kind of recovering from 2020's um, slap in the face and and finding this new normal of how life is working, as sooner that we can dial down the onslaught of new habits and just settle in with the ones that we want to make sure we solidify, the easier it's going to be to create ongoing habits that are intentional and aligned because we're all operating from habits anyway. So it's just shifting them to be more aligned with where we're going to go. Like, and you, like you said, incremental um, steps to, to make that happen is, is the key to that. And just real quick to circle back around to the parenting piece of this. We saw my my kids have both become much more confident over this last year because they were no longer feeling guilty or feeling like they let us down when they didn't remember to do a thing that they needed to do as a responsible you know, contribution to the, the family setting. You know, our kids have chores just like we have chores. And we were noticing that my son was struggling to get the, the garbage out. That's one of his chores is take the trash out from the kitchen. 
And he wouldn't remember. And when we would say, hey, kiddo, can you take the trash out? He would say, oh yeah, sorry, mom, I'm sorry. And he would have this like, this feeling of, oh, like, oh, I failed or, oh, and it wasn't big. It's just trash. And we, of course, weren't yelling at him about it, but it's, I saw that he was feeling badly about himself or not remembering something that was, that had no, no moral value to it. Isn't it? You're not good or bad because the trash hasn't gone out. And it occurred to me how many times that must be happening for him and, and, and for all of us before I learned this, this model of how human habits work. And we started changing our vocabulary saying, no, kiddo, don't, you don't need to, to apologize. Let's just get curious. How are you going to help yourself remember to do this more often for yourself? Like, what do you want to use a post-it note? Do you want to put a reminder on your phone? Do you want to make sure that's something you just check when you first wake up in the morning? Like, how are you going to help yourself remember this? And Talia, it has completely transformed how my kids feel about themselves when it comes to creating habits for their home, for their personal life, but their their schoolwork and their projects. It is incredible. And it I can get tearful thinking about the the shift that I'm watching in my kids and how powerful that can be for parents to create this connective moment with their children as opposed to unintentionally layer, layering in shame and guilt for something that doesn't require any kind of character assassination because habits are not a moral factor. So I just wanted to share that and how powerful that has been for our family because I think I I know as a kid, I felt a lot of shame and guilt when I didn't do what my parents expected of me. But looking back, I just didn't have the tools. And I and I think it could be really powerful for people to do this with, with their children as young as toddlers, you know, not shaming them or guilting them for not remembering something and just having them learn to ask curious questions can be really powerful. I love that because it gives the energy of, first of all, like, I love you anyway. You're not messing up. Um, And how can you remind yourself is just, I love, that's what I geek out about is like self-responsibility and really doing um, your part to create your own life. And that's a really powerful place to be as a parent. I think the more times we can kind of go like, you need to figure this out, but I'm so here for you and I so believe in you and you can have that energy with all sorts of things. Um, I think that's a really great place to be and I'm really discovering that um, my kids are 10 and 7 and then 1. So, you know, my 10-year-old and 7-year-old, they're going through a lot of changes and there is a change in their responsibility around the house and what they're expected to do. And exactly like you said, how are you going to remember how to do this? Because this is now an expectation. At one point, we had to tell you to make your bed or had to tell you to brush your teeth. Now that's just automatic. So now we're kind of moving on to the next level of what will be automatic, what is just expected of you. And I love that. Like, how can you remember? Do you want to create a checklist? That's something like my 10-year-old might be all about, right? Get out the felts and let's create a daily checklist for ourselves. Or, you know, I could see my seven-year-old being more about post-it notes and visual reminders. And that's a beautiful way to help them to change their habits and do it from love. Mm -hmm. And it's been incredible to watch because now we've been doing it for so long now that my kids will now say... I'll say something, you know, a habit isn't working anymore. For whatever reason, things have kind of transitioned in the house and now, you know, their dad and I are doing different things. And so their anchors are a little off. And so they'll say, oh, I forgot to do the laundry, my laundry today. And I'll say, okay, what do you need to shift? And they'll say, oh, you know what? I already shifted the the reminder on my phone, but I think I need to put it somewhere else on the on the Echo or put it on a post note because I'm not near my phone that part of the day. And so they're doing, I mean, it didn't take long at all for them to start incorporating, how do I need to change this so it works better for me, which is 
my gosh, as a parent, so exciting to see them going inward to find their own answers and troubleshoot and problem solve for themselves and watching that empowering shift in their, even in their posture, but certainly in their mindset is just so incredible. That's amazing. It's like, it's just seeing there's just a flaw in the system, not a flaw in you. And I feel like for people listening, just hear that, you know, for all of the shoulds and all the times that you feel that you've let yourself down. What if that was never the case? What if it was never actually about you and your lack? What if it was just a flaw in the system? You know, there's systems all the time that do and don't work for people, exercise programs, diets, morning routines. What if it just the way that it was going wasn't fully supportive for you and it wasn't actually you? That's just so freeing. Um, I'd love to ask you about the element of getting help. I'd love to hear you riff on when it's appropriate to get help and how that's been in your life and just anything in there. Yes. I, I one, love that you have gotten to the point where you can ask for help. I am just entering that place where I can ask for help. I've always been able to ask for help in professional things. Like I love having a mentor. I love having a coach in business and over the years. And in the things that I am 100% certain I don't want to be an expert in, I love asking for help there. The things that I thought I was good at, right? Like these pieces that I kind of attached to my ego early on have been more of a challenge to say, oh no, I'm, I'm actually not great at that as much as I want to be. So I ask for help on that. So I love that you would acknowledge that and that that was a journey for you as well. And I'm, I'm grateful to be in the place where I'm getting to where I am so confident and say, like, no, I got, I got nothing on that. Tell me what to do. Um, and that's one of the reasons I, I love... And, I, and you hear the energy from me geeking out about habits is, so when it comes to forming habits, I think it's beneficial to have someone, if you don't know how to form habits to begin with, having a, a, a buddy along the way is really beneficial. And it's one of the things I do when my, with my one-on-one clients, but also my membership program is all about developing the skills of habit formation in the various areas of your life. And so what I do in this one-on-one client conversations is for 90 days, we look at the different, the six, seven different areas of life and identify one habit that you want to implement into your life and use those all as learning tools of the vehicle to habit formation. So how do you incorporate a a habit that you want to develop with your children? How do you incorporate the habit you want to have with your partner? What's the first thing that was going to help you show up in that place in a more authentic way? And then we workshop that week after week over the 90 day period so that by the end of that, you've learned a whole slew of skills on habit development and how to do that. And compassionate accountability is a huge piece for me. I remember hearing accountability and feeling oftentimes in my experience of it, that it was very bully-esque. Like this, this idea of if you don't show up and have it done next Thursday, I'm going to be there, you know, howling at you about what well, you needed to get it done or, or, and the other side of that was the internal process for me is I was stressed out Wednesday if I didn't have it done and then pushing myself and cramming the Wednesday night before. That's a perfectionist like MO is the night before cramming, getting it done, and at least it got done. It's not a healthy way to be motivated. We're not motivation from fear is not true to motivation. It's 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 not going to be withstanding uh, real life circumstances. And so when you can have compassion accountability where each time the expectation is, we're going to get curious about what worked and what didn't work this last time. Mm-hmm. We're going to get curious about how this thing that you tried to do was working and not working, which is one of the benefits of what I'm sure you're experiencing with a personal trainer is you're going there. You don't have to worry about 
you know, the setup because she has that for you, which is a huge part in the health practices for a lot of us when we're doing them at home. You know that someone's relying on you to show up there. So you make the appointment in your schedule. We have this thing in, in women's pop culture that you should just be able to do the things that you know you should do. And it's just, you get this like badge of honor. You did that on your own without having help. And it's just so counterproductive to how humans are supposed to operate. We're built to be connected. We're not built to do a lot of things by ourselves. So I would love to just kind of wash that whole thing away from society. Um, but that that piece of when do you seek help? You seek help at the beginning rather than trying it a bunch of times because newsflash, we've all tried the habit formation thing for like decades now. So you get help at the beginning with clarity and the skills and the curiosity and the, and the accountability. And then you can apply that to literally everything else you want to do in your life. You have that skill set now to build on and to add into, and you have someone cheering you on because they genuinely believe that all of us are, are able to do all the things that we crave on the inside. It's just a matter of undoing all these layers that we have piled on from everybody else over the, over the years and decades and relationships and those pieces. Yeah, I so agree. And I think in there too, like if you are getting help, depending on how far along in self-discovery you are and sort of those questions of like, what do I want and why? Another really helpful thing is what do I need? And truly admitting that. And you touched on that saying like, you're aware of the things that just aren't your zone of genius and you just have to get help on or choose to get help on. Sometimes that's like literally cleaning your house or the mechanic. I'm not going to try to do my own oil change. Like that's just not. So getting real with life change going, what do I need? And just to be honest, as a coach, my favorite thing is when people, clients come to me and not only are they coachable, meaning they're excited and they're willing to try what we come up with and all of that. But I love when they know what they need, even if that takes a little bit. But when I have clients saying, I need you to check in with me in the week and just give me a note and ask me if I've done this, or I need you. And and really you guys listening, that may seem difficult, but when you think if I had a magic wand, like, what do I need? And it's like, yeah, someone checking in with me someone rooting me on right and with this with my personal trainer I re, I just told her on the first session I said okay what I need is at the end I want you to acknowledge something that I did well this is such a coach thing right I want you to acknowledge what I did well and I want you to give me something some feedback something to be aware of something I could do better and she kind of went oh okay hang on and gave me really great stuff then the next session at the end she's like okay so the thing you did amazing was you did this you really showed up you really gave it and the thing to work on is this and I found myself going like all right and so that was something I've recognized over time that I need I want to be acknowledged for my progress for my good work for showing up and I also want to know what I can do better, what I can keep my eye on, what I can, you know, nurture and and get better at. And so start thinking about what do I need? What would really help? And entertaining the thought of getting help about it, even if it's just from a friend that you're on the journey together and it's a like-minded friend that inspires you and you have that good energy or a professional, you know, it's, there's, there's, I like how you said, there's a bit of a badge of honor of doing things on our own. And sometimes what I'll say to people and what I'll think is, why are you resisting getting helped? Just take a second with that one. Why would I resist help? Like that to me, I go, because you're trying to lone wolf it and pretend it's better on your own and it's just not true, right? And and really what you're getting at the bottom of this, of all of this 
all, all these layers and these different ideas is you're getting your time back. The ability to be open to help is going to give you more time doing the stuff that you love. There's like, there's just no reason to take a year to figure out what someone else who has already done the work can help you figure out in a month or two months or three months, because how much more of the things you love you're going to be able to do or the thing that you want to do, you're going to be able to do well because you, you, you address the ego that tries to tell everybody that you're right, because that's really where it's coming from, right? This, this, I, I don't need anything. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be seen as weak. Like you said, there are so many pieces of this that prevent us from moving into our true selves in a way that we deserve. And it's all in our head. It's all these pieces of beliefs and, and limiting rules that we have. Yeah. And it does. It truly saves time. And also now I don't have the power leak of the constant feeling of you should be working out. Talk about an energy drain, right? The should of the working out, the pain constantly, the guilt, the shame. It's like it took all of that off my plate to just hire someone who is has my back and already has helped change this big area of my life that was verging on should territory, you know, in my mind. So it's just so worth it to do what you need to do to um, establish that new habit. And now it's taken care of. And and that's such an important piece because when we don't take those actions and it's just a thing, a ruminating thought that kind of loops around in our head, it it loops for 24 hours Mm. and it loops for the next 24 hours. Whereas when you have it designated in your schedule, it's, you don't have to think about when I'm going to do it. Oh, I didn't do it. I don't, didn't do it. I still didn't do it. Like we're clocking throughout the day. I still haven't worked out. I still haven't worked out. So mm-hmm. it's taking up so much energy and so much space because you haven't made a commitment to a thing that's going to help you, you know, the, the true motivation, the ability factor, getting curious about how it's actually going to happen. And then the reminder and the prompt, which is all taken care of when you're having, you know, another person helping you with that situation. The other part I want to touch on real quick is that when we look at a habit that we wanted to form and it's not fitting in our schedule or working out and exercising is such a great example of this because I'm working through this this next phase of this for myself recently. Oftentimes, it's not making it into our schedule because we have too many things we're trying to do in a day. Mm. Because if, there, if you had nothing to do, then you would most likely work out. But you don't because you have a laundry list six miles long of things that you feel like need to get done. And women tend to especially put ourselves in the back burner. So in addition to, you know, looking at your motivation and the prompt and reminder, the ability factor sometimes is our own to-do list that we have over overcomplicated and overfilled for ourselves. And we think that, oh, well, I can't not feed the kids. I can't not go grocery shopping. I can't not do these things. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's some del- redelegation and also some, some overcommitment that may be happening. So take that in consideration when you're looking at the ability factor. I'm right now realizing that I, I, I overcommitted to a lot of things over the last couple of weeks, which is kind of my MO when I'm not operating from alignment. And so I'm recalibrating what I have committed to, taking things off my schedule so I can re-put, reallocate some of my time and energy to my body movement. So it's an active ongoing process. I want to be very clear that just because I know how all these things work doesn't mean that all my habits perfectly are executed all the time. Yeah. It's something that is an ongoing practice and an ongoing journey like everything else when we're doing personal work and inner work. That's beautiful. And I really think it's important for everyone to remember that. Like we were saying a, a little bit ago is 
it is a journey. It is a process. Have patience with yourself. It's a new skill you're learning, even from habit to habit. Like you said, you might know how all this stuff works and it might work great for you in your business. And then you go and flip to another new habit you want to establish and you're starting back at square one again and we're having to remember all these different aspects and practice it and have it not work and then come back and you know figure it out again. Yeah. And the difference is I'm not blaming myself now anymore. Mm. I'm not feeling guilty about it. I'm not feeling shame. I'm not beating myself up about it. I'm just going, huh, I wonder why this still isn't happening. (laughs) I wonder why this still isn't in my schedule. I wonder why, okay, this is, all right, I've asked myself the same question two weeks in a row. Let's look at the other factors. What is the ability factor? Oh, it's because I am choosing to do work because I'm running out of time to get the work done in the day. So that's why my, my morning practice has not been as aligned as it had been. I, I fell into an old habit. I'm overcommitting. Okay, now I'm familiar with why this isn't working. Now I can reassess. So it, it is, it's, it's multi-layered, but at least this time after having practiced this, I don't have that heavy emotional weight anymore. It's just a matter of figuring out the peg that I need to move to, to kind of realign what, what's happening with the habit formation. Yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up, I would like to just go through because it is the new year and there's a lot of people that are, you know, as this is airing, have had intentions and already starting to feel it overwhelming. Um, maybe they set a ton of intentions. Maybe it was just one and it's, it's, it's rocky waters right now. So how do we, and even going through those pillars that you mentioned, like how do we go forward and give everybody the best chance of really creating something new for themselves? Great question. And it's very common to come out of the gate running, you know, racing, right? And then hit the wall because we have trying to do too much, like we said earlier. And so wherever you are in this um, new year, new you kind of concept, or you just, it was just naturally time for you to reassess how things are working. I really highly encourage writing down the habits that you want to form specifically and then equal to that line item on the habit, what you're going to gain from that. And then give yourself some time to look at what has to happen in order for that to make it a reality. So that's the first step. Write the write the habit down. Second step is why is, why is that something you want? What is that going to give you? Third step is what are all the micro decisions within those habits? This would only take you maybe 10 minutes to do this if you really just sat down and did this. And then what is the first thing that's the easiest thing to do on that list? And just commit to that for the next seven days of of not doing it consistently where you're having to perfectly execute, but curiosity-wise, how is this going to work in my day? Where is the best place to do it? Who do I need to communicate so I can make this happen and get curious about it? Start with one aspect of life. And then the more you uh, get familiar with this process, you're going to be able to add in new habits more, more than one at a time. But just just trust yourself that you will come back to these things because they're things you genuinely want. And so it'll be something that you are easier able to uh, incorporate into your day. I love that because you may want to learn French, Spanish, and Portuguese, but right. it's probably best to start with maybe French because it's or Spanish or something that because it's easier for you and that, you know, start with one and then move on and trust that you will learn all the languages. I love that. So um, yeah, really... And I think too, like, where do you choose that one thing you're going to start with? So I, I think this is one of those pieces where we're, we're learning to trust ourselves and there's no wrong answer. So if you want to get healthier and you've made your short list of, you know, 
the version of you that's healthiest in a year or six months or whatever your time frame is that you've constructed for yourself. And this person is these five things. What is the smallest step towards the first one? And that's just where you start. And if you feel like, you know what, that might be the easiest, but I really feel called to this one, you know, this third thing on the list, then start there. It It is your relationship with the habit and learning how to do the habit that is going to be how you successfully navigate all these things. It's not the habit itself because the habit is going to get you to information and it's going to get you to more clarity. And that's ultimately what all of this is about. And so there's no wrong answer. Those of us who struggle with like right, wrong, good, bad, pass, fail, there is no wrong way to do this. The the thing I would ask you to do is instead of promising yourself that you're going to finish this and you're going to do this, promise yourself that you're going to circle back to the curiosity factor of developing a new habit. Let that be the promise to yourself. What if that was the promise that we had? It will circle circle back to this habit and get more curious and ask more questions. And if you do that, all of the other things you're working on, doesn't matter which one you start with, you're going to be able to successfully move forward and, and experience that and actualize that for yourself. I love that. And do you ever experience with people and with yourself things that you thought were important and then you realize that actually, you know what, because, you know, maybe you were saying, I really want this and you're thinking, I do really want it. But then you realize as you try that this was a should, this isn't even what I want. You know, yes. does that happen? And do we have permission to just <laughs> drop it and, you know, yes. adapt something, try something new that resonates deeper? Yes. And this is one of the most beautiful pieces of doing this work is that you realize there actually is a whole bunch of stuff that you think you should want and that you start moving towards it. But the action of moving toward it is how you get the clarity. So a great, a quick example of that is um, a year ago, I thought I wanted to, so we live in Richmond, Virginia. I thought I wanted to to buy a bunch of acreage here in, in Richmond and be able to build our house here. And we want to have a tiny house village for Airbnbs, for creatives and all these things, these dreams that we have. And I started taking action towards that over the course of the year. And I realized that I actually don't want that in this state. I don't know if I want that in this next year, but I wouldn't have known that had I not started taking action towards it. And it's the same thing with your habits. You're not going to know if it's really what you want sometimes until you start taking action on moving towards it. And the way to, to know is to get curious and say, I'm going to take action toward this and say, not did I do it or not do it, or is it good or bad, right or wrong, pass, fail, is do I still want to do this? Which is why this these questions of what do I want, what do I need every day is such a great place to start with all of these habits because you can be honest, I actually don't want to do that anymore. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I failed. It doesn't mean I'm a quitter. It means I learned that I've traveled the journey for that part of my life. And that is that now we've stopped that part. And now we get to learn something else and do something else and explore something else. Yeah. I think that's so common because in our mind, we go, I want to be healthier than you picture, like yoga and this and that, but that may not be what resonates with you. Yes. And I I, used, I did that for a long time with the morning routine, right? It was, I got to find the morning routine that's going to carry me through my next 40 years of morning. And I would try things and they'd be awesome. And within even a few days, they would lose their energetic steam. And then I'd just, you know, sleep in and accidentally find a reason not to do it. And then I started realizing maybe I need a new 
sort of morning routine or three or four or five that I choose from. And I wake up and I go, today, I feel like a gratitude list. Today, I feel like scripting today and give myself that changed everything. Now I, when it's time to do it, I'm like, Ooh, what do I feel called to do today? So as you're saying, just try it. And you may find that you love a gratitude list for three days, but then you need something else to like mix it up. And then you're coming back next week because you love it. Right. So I love that is like, give, give yourself the time, the curiosity to curate what you need and it's okay to change it. In fact, I think you should be changing it. Walking the same route every day will get boring, you know, switch it up a little bit. I am so glad you brought that up because it's one of my biggest complaints with people who talk about morning rituals and having to have it be the same way. I feel the same way you did. I kept thinking I need to have this morning routine where I meditate and I journal and I move my body and I, and I do these specific things in these orders, but it was killing my spirit by having to do the same thing every day. And it's because I let go of this rigidity of this is the right way, this is the wrong way. And now I've learned how to trust myself that what I feel called to do is the right thing for me that day, because that's what I need to to address in myself. So some days I'm listening to a book that really is helping me kind of tap into my feminine energy because that's where I'm working right now. Some days it's getting right into work and answering some emails because that's what I I need to get that off my mind. I trust myself now that I can change my mind and that that rigid expectation of myself is no longer a thing. And it's it came from that we continue to look outside ourselves for the right way to do our life. And there's somebody and there are plenty of books out there to say the right way to do a morning routine is to do the exact same thing every morning. I don't find that works for most people. So I love that you brought that up. And I love that you listen to yourself and now you let yourself decide and you let your inner knowing decide for you what what you need for that morning. So congratulations on getting to that part because so few of us can get there uh, and it's so beneficial when we can. And it's, it's so powerful when you allow yourself to have that flexibility. One of my mantras for the last four years has been make plans, but remain flexible. Mm. And it is such a crucial mantra for people who are recovering perfectionists and like that rigid schedule and the planning and like the strategy. And like, I like knowing what's happening next. And I've incorporated also that I know how to trust myself and that the plan I made for myself yesterday was based on myself yesterday and who I am today is even just a little bit different. I need to honor her. Like you say in your community, I need to honor her and, and how she has shown up today because she's different than what I was yesterday. And what she needs is what I need to honor. And it's, it's so powerful when we can do that. Yeah. Um, the In Deepak Chopra's book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, there's a section where he talks about uncertainty. And he says, you just have to accept that uncertainty is a part of life. And when you every day choose to accept that that there is uncertainty in life. And he goes on to explain how uncertainty is actually a good thing because you're not in your certain everyday routine. You're actually expanding and growing. But knowing that in any day, uncertain things are going to come up, things you didn't plan for, when you have that knowing, you can just be comfortable in uncertainty because you're like, it's the thing that's certain. It's like the only thing that's certain is change or whatever they say, right? Yeah. And so that's what I hear in in what you're saying is like, let's have a plan and an intention and, you know, some sort of structure. But within that, there's going to be uncertainty in every single day. Things are going to come up that were not planned. Things don't, you know, go by our watch time all the time. Kids get sick, clients cancel, you know, you're feeling under the weather when you said you'd work out, like give yourself that space. And I, I love how that keeps on coming up is like, 
be kind to yourself. <laughs> yes. And and invest in the effort to learn how to be kind to yourself. And that's yeah. that's that inner knowing, that work of of alignment. It's easier to be flexible when you know that you're still on the path to the vision you have, which is why it's so important to be clear about where you want to go, even if it's a temporary clarity till until you refine it because you take action. Because then it's easy to say yes or no and and give yourself the the grace like you've mentioned. I'll I'll do it tomorrow because I'd still I'm still heading in this direction. So just because I can't today, is you like like you said, kids, clients, health hijack your plans for the day. You still know that you're still heading towards the vision that you have for yourself, and that's where you're supposed to be. So you're ultimately trusting I'm going to get there, and today it's going to look a little bit different. I'm going to learn something about myself and letting myself rest when I need to in order to get there, and that's part of the journey. Yeah. I feel called to also mention that sometimes that vision we have for our of her and our highest self is is that highest self, but not everything is meant to be right now. So the example I thought of is I've always been called to yoga. I've worked out since I was a teenager and I always had this image in my mind's eye of me doing yoga and handstands and being, you know, that yogi I, I live in, Lululemons. And I just, that that resonated deeply. But I was in a boot camp mentality. I was had an eating disorder. I was really disordered with where my motivation and stuff was coming from. So I would try yoga and I hated it. I'm like, this is too slow. This is stupid. This is never going to get me to lose weight. I'm just sitting here like, what is with this? Oh, this hurts. Why do I have to be flexible? It's all about running harder, you know? So I hated yoga. I just, but I always kept trying. So I was like, ah, it's in this, it's, it's this perception I have of myself. And it took me a long Long time. And after my healing journey, I ended up releasing hardcore boot camps. And I love a good hardcore boot camp even now, but I released from that mentality and yoga found me. And then I was like, oh, the stillness, the strength, the power, the the flexibility, it just it clicked into a part of my soul that it has been calling me since I was probably like 17, but I wasn't in the right mindset to receive it. So you may have that image of yourself meditating all day, but know that you can start with two minutes of silence. You can even do it in your car before you get into your house or before you go to bed and have patience that that version of you that meditates for an hour twice a day, like that may actually come back around if it's truly calling for you. But at a time when you've done the work to be able to receive that gift. So it's, it's almost like all or nothing thinking again. Like, don't think you have to be this perfect person, even if you know she does these things. Start where you're at and build up from there. I, I think that is one of the best lessons I've learned for myself over the last couple of years as well, as I've learned the truer version of law of attraction rather than the watered down law of attraction is not attaching to how I'm going to get there and just trusting that what I need will show up when I need it, including lessons, including the hard stuff that feels like it's feels like the universe is testing me, which I don't believe is a thing. It's just an opportunity for me to learn the lesson I need to learn and develop the skills and the resiliency and the belief in myself to be prepared and to be able to become the person who can do the thing or have the thing or be the thing that I'm envisioning for myself. So I 100% agree and resonate with exactly what you're saying is that that attachment to, well, this is what I'm feeling. Why am I not here now? Why can't I just go right there? Because sometimes you have to take the detour because sometimes there are things you need to learn. There's a scenic route you need to take to get to that end result, at least in that one step. And 
trusting that you'll have what you need lessons and abundance uh, equally to get there is is a challenge for a lot of us, but it's so worth digging into and, and, and showing up to ask that question every day. Yeah, for sure. And the part that you said in, you know, habit formation is, am I able? So one thing for me, I know in my highest self and in my, you know, ultimate expression, I am hosting retreats. I am going to healing retreats. I'm co-hosting with other people. We're doing all sorts of cool juicing things and meditations and really transformative energy stuff. But right now I have a baby. We're in a pandemic. I'm not going to a retreat. I am. I, I was starting to put together the plans to host one before this all hit and I had to just completely release. No, it'll happen. So remember, as you're saying, sometimes it's also just about timing in life. You know, you may have, I had a fresh baby breastfeeding and running a business thinking that I should still be doing whatever five days a week and be hosting new things and be doing a retreat. And it's like, okay, girl, you know, slow your roll. We don't have to do all the goals all at once because it really, as we're saying here, it, it's it, there's also a timing thing. There's things you need to learn. There's maybe babies that need to not be attached to your boob in order to go off and do something or, you know, other things. And I had to, it was really tough this time around having my baby because I it wasn't planned and I had this full business and it, you know, it was tough. And so I had to redirect myself and say, life right now is calling me to be a mom. Like it's in my face. I have a tiny baby that just entered this world. It's calling me right now to be a mom to an infant more than it's calling me to host a retreat in Bali in this moment. But I will get to do all of it. I will get to do all of it in life. So sometimes recognizing like, what is life calling you to do right now? And is it conducive or, you know, on the same page as those big goals you have. And it's okay to be patient, right? It's okay to know it's coming. Yeah. And, and I would dig into that deeply as well for myself in the sense that I I use this example when I'm, I'm talking to other entrepreneurs specifically, you know, we entrepreneurs or even people who are thinking about being somebody who has some kind of influence where there's vanity metrics like followers and subscribers and those kinds of things. I wouldn't be ready to have a million followers right now. I love the idea of it in the future because that means I'm impacting people because of the kind of content that I'm going to put out and the kind of messaging that I, that's I'm passionate about. It's not a vanity metric as I hope this number follows it because I want to have that kind of connection and that kind of impact. I'm not ready for what comes with the person who has a million followers because I don't have systems in place to manage that many messages. I don't have, you know, I don't have a team of, of, of people that will help me manage the pieces that I'm not strong in like graphic design and these other things that are not my forte. And so it's important to remember that when we want this thing and we're not, we don't have it yet. Like I've heard myself say in the past, I'm just so ready for, for my business to be X, Y, and Z. And then I realized, no, actually, you're not ready. <laughs> you want it to be, and you're looking forward to it, and you're excited, and, and sometimes it can feel a little exhausting, but you're not actually ready for the thing you want. So what's probably you're going to find, like I did with my illness, is I wanted to be coaching, but I had to close my business. And when I closed my coaching business after having just gotten it started because I couldn't show up for my clients, it was only within maybe a couple months that I realized, oh, I have to learn a whole bunch of shit before I can do this coaching that I thought I was going to do. And I have to have a whole lot more lessons 
underneath my belt so that I can then use those to help other people. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what's happening. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of lessons you're learning from this version of parenting that you didn't have before that now you're going to be able to apply in your experience at the retreat and these other things that you're going to do that are going to have a huge impact are going to be amplified even more because you were willing to accept that there are things that you needed to do that were calling to you and you were listening to that and willing to listen to that rather than saying, well, this is what I should be doing. So it's so powerful when we can have that awareness and it just mm-hmm. makes things so much sweeter when we actually do experience and, and can be grateful for these things that feel like they're problems or challenges or you know hijacking when in reality, they're gifts to prepare us to be able to have the abundance that we're calling in. Totally. There's... um a beautiful lesson in A Course in Miracles. And it says, those who are certain can wait and wait without anxiety. And I think of that often. I think if I'm certain that this is coming for me, I can wait. And I can wait without that anxious feeling of doubting it because it is coming. So even if you feel like you have a long way to go, something needs to be deeply healed or released or whatever, you feel like you don't even have a lead or you don't even have the beginning yet, just know that it's coming for you. It is yours. And you can be certain in that because it's a soul desire. It's something you deeply want. And that is meant for you. I love that quote. And I will probably be going to look that up for myself after this, because it is definitely something that I have practiced this year more than I ever have. Mm. And it certainly has brought so brought so much peace during moments of the pandemic and shifts, you know, with the family and and things that I thought were going to be happening by this time that aren't. And I, it takes a little bit longer than I would like sometimes to remind myself of that truth. But when I do, I, I do feel this huge wave of relief and it is so much easier to enjoy the moments and be mindful and connected to all of my life experiences rather than thinking I should be somewhere else. So thank you for for sharing that quote and reminding me of that truth. I appreciate it. Wow, this was incredible. Um, I really appreciate you giving so much just value and energy and so much of yourself. Um, Two things before we go, I'd like to first know what is your top tip Um, for, I would say for manifestation or in this case, like creating something new? I think it would be answering the question, who do I need to become to have the life that I envision for myself? And I think that gives you so much room to dig into who you are and what, what what the little steps are, the milestones, the stepping stones are to becoming that person. And by asking yourself that question and allowing it to, to, to evolve over time, is going to give you so much more power to manifest what you want because you're not chasing a thing. You're becoming the person that you know you can be. And I, I just, that's been really super powerful for me and my clients in that, in that, in that manifestation process. Yeah. That's amazing. That's beautiful. So where can our um, listeners find you if they want more, if they want to work with you or just see what you're up to, where's the best place to connect? So um, my podcast is called Boldly Becoming You and our Instagram account is that, our Facebook uh, page is about that. And we also have a Facebook group, our, our online village, where we talk about these things in a real life way, practical ways to navigate perfectionism and moving out of it. And so Boldly Becoming You is on all the social media platforms. Um, you can also find me at, at Tasha Skillen on all the platforms as well, or directly um, at our website, which is rulesandrebellion.com. So you can contact us in all of those places. And we'd love to hear... You you know, what's working for people and how things have happened um, when you start taking some of these ideas and start implementing them into your real life. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, make sure to, if you're listening to this, share the episode and tag us and let us know that you're listening. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thanks for having me. Hey, love, thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope you got some incredible value from it. And if you did, pretty please head over to iTunes and leave me a review and hit the subscribe button. This really does make a huge difference in the success of the show. And it really shows me that you want this type of training, tools, techniques to hack law of attraction and have you manifest fast. Thank you in advance for that. And before I go, I want to remind you that there is a version of yourself that already has what it is that you want, already has the manifestations, already has the love, the abundance, the success, the freedom, the self-confidence, and everything else that you could want. So what I'm going to encourage you to do today is to envision her, embody her, ask what's her energy about, what's her mindset, like and what advice does she have for me today as you do this my love you awaken her you quantum align you collapse time and you make yourself able to manifest the life you want so much quicker have a fantastic day and i will see you in the next episode